Do you want to maximize your success with NCUA? Join Mark Trichel as he shares with you the insider's view on passing your exam with Flying Colors. The With Flying Colors podcast is sponsored by Credit Union Exam Solutions by Mark Trichel. If you would like to work directly with the Credit Union Exam Solutions team and receive support to optimize your results with NCUA so you save time and money, visit us at marktrichel.com to find out more. Hey everyone, this is Mark Trichel with another episode of With Flying Colors. I'm recording this in Alexandria, Virginia. Yesterday was the March board meeting for NCUA, and I had the opportunity to go over and see some former colleagues and sit in on the board meeting. And it was a short board meeting. There was an action item on subordinated debt, a final rule that was finalized by the board unanimously. And also there were some discussions, of course, about SBB Bank and how how that impacts credit unions or perhaps just a take on the credit union interest industry, a take on the credit union industry from the perspective of the board. And NCUA board chairman, NCUA board chairman said that NCUA is working with other federal regulators to ensure the stability of the overall financial services system. He also went on to say, it's also important to remember that credit unions have access to a wide range of liquidity sources, including important federal liquidity backstops. He referenced the NCUA's central liquidity facility, which can serve as a backup source of liquidity to member credit unions. He also mentioned the Federal Reserve's discount window and the newly created bank term funding programs, which are available to well-run and well-capitalized credit unions. By the way, that generally means code one and code two when they say those that verbiage, possibly a code three, but um, anyway, a well-run and well-capitalized credit union. Actually, I think that means that management has to be coded a code one or a code two. Still, he also added that recent events serve as a reminder of the dangers of concentration risk and the need for effective risk management in other areas. He outlined all of the risk areas um, from NCUA's exam program that they issue in their exam reports, and he spoke to the, the current priority letter as well. He went on to say that credit unions must remain diligent in managing risk and ensuring their safety and soundness. Consumers can remain confident that their hard-earned deposits at federally insured credit unions are safe, just as they always have been, and that the NCUA will continue to act expeditiously when needed to preserve the stability of the credit union system. Chairman Harper also mentioned that no insured shares, no member has ever lost a penny on insured deposits. Now, uh, board member Hood also said that recent events are not similar to the 2008 economic crisis, adding that he wanted to assure people your funds are safe in America's federally insured credit unions. So similarly to how individual credit unions are talking to their members the NCUA board is pointing out um, how solid credit unions are, how solid the insurance fund is, et cetera, et cetera. I also want to point out in a previous podcast, I mentioned that I had taken a look at uninsured deposits in the large credit unions and defining large as a credit union over a billion dollars. On average, those institutions have about nine, nine and a half percent of their deposits in uninsured deposits. And Chairman Harper made reference to, I think, a 91% insured fund rate across the entire industry. So that 
proves to me that that 9% uninsured deposit kind of carries through into the smaller institutions. I also had previously mentioned that there are very few credit unions that even approach the 35, 40% uninsured, and that if you have uninsured shares of 16, of around 16%, the 16% mark is about the top 10% of credit unions. So yesterday I sat in on a webinar, was it yesterday, two days ago, I sat in on a, a, a webinar put on by the Darling Consulting Group, an East Coast ALM group that was communicating to the credit union community. They have a lot of clients on the East Coast and I think throughout the country, but interesting, interesting webinar. I'm hoping to get them actually on my podcast soon. And, but they had done something that I hadn't had the opportunity to do yet. They had looked at the concentration of deposits in banks. And when they looked at that data, when Darling Consulting Group looked at that data, they made reference to the top 850 institutions. So I don't know what the asset size was, but they mentioned that the average, the average uninsured deposits at the large banks, the 850 largest banks, was 36%. There are very few large credit unions that individually have more than 36%, but the average in banks is 36%. And this number was also quite interesting, that 20% of the banks have at least 50% of their deposits uninsured. Now, that's a huge difference from the credit union community, and it goes to the point of who credit union serves, people of modest means, et cetera, individuals as opposed to corporations. And so there is a big liquidity difference and a big difference between this challenge and liquidity that banks are facing, which makes it interesting that the largest banks are working collectively to help some of the other banks out there, which is a story that I'll get to here shortly. But in any event, NCUA board meeting spoke to the fact that remain calm, all is well, and I agree with that approach and how they handled that. I thought they might dive into saying that we should get that, that NCUA should more CLF type authorities. They didn't dip into that this go around. So that was a prediction I made that was incorrect. Now, as it relates to the subordinated debt rule, the basically the the, the among other things, the rule required that any credit union seeking to issue notes with maturities longer than 20 years needed to demonstrate how such instruments would continue to be considered debt. Now, the challenge was that if you have ESIP subordinated debt from the Treasury, they were allowing it to count as capital as for 30 years. NCUA's rule only allowed it for 20 years, so they clarified that those credit unions can now count it for 30 years. There was also a discussion about how the trade group inclusive had come up with some bilateral offerings of subordinated debt secondary capital that were falling on deaf ears. And it was called a racial equity investment fund offering of $20 million. And none of that had been taken up. And I believe inclusive has communicated with NCUA that they think it's the new rule that is causing this and staff committed to report back to the board within six months after studying it, that they're going to talk to inclusive and take a look at it. I'm pretty sure that what they're alluding to here is the fact that it's called a security and the by calling it a security, it creates substantial legal costs. And so oftentimes the legal costs outweigh 
the benefits that you get for the secondary capital. So while the secondary capital is out there, the costs are onerous. NCUA had predicted when they put this rule in place that those savings would be passed on by attorneys that would do it for free. And if, if attorneys like I know attorneys, attorneys, everything's a billable hours. So I think that is part of the issue that they have here is that the cost of the legal documents to call it a security outweigh the benefit of the program, which is what Inclusive had predicted would happen. And I believe is what happened. I do know that there are that NCUA staff believes that all subordinated debt and sec and or secondary capital, whatever you want to call it, I guess subordinated debt is what the rule calls it now, all subordinated debt must be considered a security. And if it's considered a security, you have this added layer of costs. I know there are people outside the industry who believe that that, that interpretation could be modified and there are scenarios under which these securities laws would not require that, which would reduce the cost that would require a revamp of the rule. That would require NCUA attorneys buying into that. I'm not saying NCUA is right or that the other minds are right, but I will say that if these small subordinated debt offerings are ever going to see the light of day again and actually get funded, there is going to need to be a change to the rule, whether or not NCUA can reach comfort in going back to how the, the rule worked in some instances before they called it a security. Time will tell. All right. The other items I wanted to talk about related to some articles in the American Banker. Pause. Okay, yes, the American Baker, the daily briefing today, they have an article, the first Republic rescue caps 180 degree turn in the banking mood for now. And that relates to First Republic getting substantial commitments from other large banks to provide some liquidity so that they could calm the nerves of, of the world in general as it relates to banks, but also the depositors that might've been taking money out of First Republic that seems to have calmed things down. There was also a reference to the Federal Home Loan Bank. Borrowings jumped this week by nearly $250 billion with a B. Uh, that's another thing that came up in the Darling Consulting Group briefing that I sat in on this week, that Monday was a huge day for the Federal Home Loan Banks and that they were providing liquidity to many institutions. Darling also sp spoke to the importance of having your ducks lined up so that when you need to move quickly, you can. But again, the volume, people not necessarily needing the liquidity, but going out, making sure they had it if they needed it. And the Fed super discount issue, the Fed super discount window issued 12 billion advances in three days, another sign of what's going on liquidity wise. And the Fed's new program, I heard from two different sources from the webinar with Darling and also from somebody who sat in on the Fed's webinar on the new program, that essentially, if you borrow from that program, you it won't be made public that you borrowed from it for a year. And by the way, that matches the term of the borrowings. There were some discussions at at in the Darling discussion and also some other discussions I had whether or not this would be frowned upon if you tapped into this. And the reality is, it really depends on your individual situation. It's a tool that's in your toolbox. 
But I think in some instances, uh, it could be viewed as a red flag if you're having to go that route because it's one of your last few options and you're tapped out borrowing-wise and you're tapped out liquidity-wise and you have other red flags, you could see NCUA um, looking, not looking at that negatively, but taking into consideration to a challenging liquidity situation and you perhaps needing to come up with a plan that will improve that situation. I'm going to pop onto the Wall Street Journal here real quick and see if anything pops on, pops to the top of the list relative to what's going on today, Friday, 11.32 a.m., March 17th. Well, here we go. First Republic shares fall as banking worries persist. So things got calmed yesterday, but now it, it seems to be moving in the opposite direction. SBB financial files for Chapter 11 bankruptcy protection. So that would be one of the related companies. Silicon Valley Bank distress wasn't reflected in its credit ratings. So that means that the rating agencies hadn't caught up with the challenges that were there. Yesterday, I think I mentioned that the audit firms had given them a clean audit less than 14 days ago. And what else do we have here today? There's the whole Credit Suisse situation, which I need to get caught up on. And there's not as much public about Republic Bank failing in New York. But as that comes out, I may speak to that down the road. I hope you have a great weekend. March Madness is upon us. Princeton beat Arizona last night, went out to dinner at one of my favorite places here in Alexandria. Joe Theismann's of the former quarterback of the Washington Redskins and was able to see Princeton upset Arizona, which was a lot of fun. Not often that a 15 seed upsets a two seed. And I'm sure there'll be more of that today as it's Friday, day two of March Madness and a little bit of March Madness in the banking world with what's been going on with SVB and liquidity. That's all I've got for today. Have a great weekend and we will talk to you soon. As always, thanks for listening. This is Mark Trichel. Signing off with Flying Colors. Thank you for joining us on this episode of With Flying Colors. Subscribe on your favorite podcast app to hear future episodes where subject matter experts of all varieties will provide tips on how to achieve success with NCUA. If you would like to learn more about how we assist credit unions, check out our services at marktrichel.com. 